Hello everybody, this is Rafael Davidovich. Welcome to the Explorations Podcast. Today we will be exploring Sefer Shoftim, Perik Gimel. This is the Book of Judges, Chapter 3. There are three, or rather four, but the fourth one is a rather minor event, events that take place in this chapter. The first thing, at the very beginning of Chapter 3, is the specific mention of something that we have heard a number of times before, that since the conquest was incomplete, meaning that the Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish people, had not fully conquered the land, they would have to maintain a military edge. And even though we think of this military requirement as being a negative, if you take a look at these opening lines here in chapter 3, mentions specifically how certain regions along the borders were kept strong in order to give the Jewish people the... Uh, requirement of being strong. The idea was that they could never become complacent. You see, there's a possibility, which is alluded to in chapter 2, that the Jewish people had might have had the option of being complacent that since they can't fully conquer their enemies, they'll just make peace with them and cease their military activities. And this would have led to their utter annihilation through general assimilation. So because they have enemies on the border, whether it is the Plishtim or the Tzidonim up in the north, meaning what we think of as Lebanon today, and along the coast, this continued to give the Jewish people a requirement that they had to maintain military strength. We now jump to our second topic of the chapter, which is our first judge, who was already mentioned in the previous chapter, or in chapter 1 rather, and this is Osniel ben Knaz. Otniel in, is a town in Israel today. And Osniel ben Knaz, as we saw before, was both the brother, had the half-brother, and ultimately the son-in-law of Kalev ben Yefuna, who was one of the original spies and conquerors of the Holy Land. Osniel is from the tribe of Yehuda, and he is the first judge. And his work, in the military sense that this parsha mentions, was in protecting the Jewish people from their enemies in the north. No, the king of that, the north was known as Kushan Rishosayim, who was the king of Aram, Naharayim. This was the king that exists on the, in the area between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. That's why it's known as Aram Naharayim, Aram of the rivers. And he protects, Osniel takes armies and protects the Jewish people from their enemy in the north. Now we get to the more popular story, which is that of Ehud, the judge Ehud. By the way, I'll just mention that even though it sounds like one judge follows another, if you follow the story closely, you read that after Osniel defeated his enemies in the north, Kushan Rishasaim, the land was quiet for 40 years. So you see that for the most part, these three and a half centuries that we'll be dealing with was filled for the most part with good peaceful times. But now we get to Ehud. And the danger in the time of Ehud comes not from the north, but comes from Moab. Remember Moab? Moab, the king of Moab in the Torah was Balak, who was unable to defeat the Jewish people. But it seems that in decades since then, Moab had gotten stronger and was able to conquer, remember where Moab is. Moab is on the east bank of the Jordan, the southeast bank of the Jordan River, and the lands south of that, in what is today the country of Jordan. 
and they then dominate the area under their king. Their king is Eglon, and they rule over the Jewish people, at least in those areas, for 18 years. Now we have the cycle set itself up, that the Jewish people during these years are davening, and Hashem gives them a shofet, Ehud ben Geira, who is from the tribe of Binyamin. We will discover that the different judges, each comes from a different tribe. Ehud is known for, not only for being from Binyamin, but that he is also left-handed. It seems to be a trait, a genetic trait, that Binyamin had, that so many of them were left-handed, as we will see at the end of this book. Ehud then makes himself a sword, and goes to offer a gift, allegedly, or ostensibly, a tribute to Eglon. Eglon receives this tribute from Ehud. Ehud says, listen, I have a secret message for you. The king is excited, which, by the way, is a very important point, because it tells us that even though we think of the Jews as here being a subjugated people, we see that the Jewish people were respected to the extent that Eglon wished to receive this message from Ehud in private. So they went to his chamber upstairs. Ehud then says, I have a message for you from Hashem. Eglon stands up. This is the extent to which he respects religion, or respects Hashem. Ehud then stretches out his left hand, takes the sword, which is unexpected since people do not expect others to be left-handed, and stabs Eglon. Leaves Eglon, escapes through a window, and then Ehud goes, takes, a, give, makes an announcement to the Jews who are hiding and waiting, and says, come, run with me, we can now conquer Moab. And this is what happens. They run, and Moab is utterly defeated, and then the land is again quiet for 80 years. Following those 80 years, or at some point during those 80 years, at the end, we have the next judge, Shamgar. What is the point over here? I need to tell you, there is a point over here. The point is that when the Jewish people are not unified, meaning when they do not have a united, a unified government, then they have to make do. And the way that Ehud made do over here was by lying, basically by subterfuge. People speak about honesty all the time, but honesty can only exist if you have people who are on equal terms. For anybody to accuse Ehud of lying or being dishonest, we would say, if you were a Jew in Auschwitz, would you take the opportunity to lie to a German guard in order to kill him and to take or to run away from, from the concentration camp? Of course you would. Meaning, lying is something that we all know, and I could give many examples, but I want to keep this brief, is necessary to achieve political salvation or political dominance or simply to be saved from someone who is more powerful than you. I'm not encouraging lying as a concept in your relationships, God forbid. But what I'm saying is that the book of Judges is highlighting how different occasions and different tribulations that the Jews had, they had to call upon certain um, manners in the art of war that might be considered unfair when the two sides are more easily matched. We don't have time for Geneva Conventions when you are being oppressed. I'll leave that thought with you, and I hope to continue next week.
Please let me know if you're interested in these uh, podcasts on Navi. I think they might be among the less popular of the podcasts, and I want to make sure that I'm offering uh, classes that are of interest to the listeners. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.